This week on the Habs Forum, the Montreal Canadiens are the kings of the north. Fuck yes. Let's go. No one saw this coming. We, we haven't even spoke to you guys since the Jets series started because they just blew through it so quickly. So we're going to recap the whole series. And then we're going to preview who the Kings of the North, that right, the best Canadian team in the NHL. Hey, it is what it is. It's the only year we're getting in Canadian division, and the Canadians won. So, forever, the Canadians are the best Canadian team. Too bad, <laughs> everyone else. Uh, so, we'll we'll talk about the Jets series, and we'll talk about, hey, are we going to get the, the, the Avalanche? Are we going to get the Vegas Golden Knights? I'm sure, once again, no one is going to think the Canadians have a chance, and I can't wait for the Canadians to prove everyone wrong again because that's what we're doing in these playoffs. We're just proving everyone wrong, including us, let's be honest, after uh, after game four of the uh, the first round. So we'll go over, over all of that. And, of course, we've got some Twitter questions, some Twitter polls that we put out there uh, to go over. But, Dustin, while I catch my breath here, tell us <laughs> who uh, a sponsor is today. Man, that, that was the most workout you've got in, in months. <laughs> If not a year and a half. Hey, so, I, I, I biked a bit the other day. Okay, okay give me a, give me a shot. <laughs> the Habs Forum still brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 4.0 and the rest of the all-star lineup at Manscaped.com. And, of course, obviously, with the restrictions getting lifted, bars are opening, restaurants are opening, the terraces are opening. You guys want to look good and feel good and shave those balls and get those balls looking good. So check out manscaped.com and use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. All right, so let's get right into it. Like I said, we, like we recorded the last podcast. It was our preview of the series. Now the NHL is trying to have the North Division catch up with everyone else because we're behind a little bit giving us back-to-back games. And now we're just waiting for everyone else. The last ones in the first rounds are the first one out of the first round. Like, scratched and clawed our way out of the first round and just complete, total domination. The, the, like, again, the complete domination. I was not, like, yeah. I was so stressed the entire Leaf series. And my, my blood pressure barely spiked at all during the, the Jets series. Except, of course, that Shafley hit. But that was for a whole different reason. Yeah, that uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that 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 was very unfortunate obviously. I mean, but like you said, I mean, the Jets did really didn't put any pressure on whatsoever. I mean, I thought they had a pretty good first game, but uh, I mean, I guess, you know, after the hit, that that just sort of, you know, cut cut them flat. I mean, But let's not forget though cuz we got Jets fans talking about how like, oh, well, because Shifley wasn't that blah 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 like 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 the only player they have on that team is Shifley. But the Canadians still won that first game. And like you sure the Jets probably put up a bigger a bit a bit bigger of a fight uh in that game although the closest game was game 2 which was just a one nothing win uh by by the Canadians. But like the Canadians still won that game and it's and and the 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 bruising defenseman on the Habs blue line, Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson and Shea Weber were clearly getting under Shifley's skin. It's like we'll, we'll of course never know, but nothing about Game One should give anyone the impression that that Shifley was on his way to having a great series against the Canadians. You know? No, definitely not. No, I mean, like you said, I mean Shifley. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a player look that frustrated. Yeah. That was even before the Jake Evans hit. Exactly. Cross- Cross check to the back of the neck, basically of a uh, of Ben Sherrod. He was screaming at the ref, like when he got when he got the penalty for that. And, you know, he, he looked, uh, you know, I mean, looked looked like he was threatening the ref almost. So. Yeah. yeah, the crazy uh, eyes going and everything. Yeah, 
that I mean it was it was crazy to see and then you know it 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 just all you know boiled down to uh, the end of the game there when he when he saw Jake Evans sealing the sealing the win for the Canadians and and you know I mean obviously that it's already been talked about so much but you know again he could have easily well not easily but he definitely had a chance to stop it from going in and instead of doing that and and you know I mean the the Jets just scored to, yeah. to pull within one so you know I mean if he stops that if he stops Jake Evans from, Evans from scoring I mean they could very I mean they had a lot yeah. of momentum at that See, point, that's you know? the worst thing like if I'm a Jets fan and I think a lot of Jets players like including Blake Wheeler who uh, I I have no ill will t- t- towards Blake Wheeler he seems to have been uh, one of the classier members of the Jets during what happened happened like reports were saying that he was calming his players down on the bench while because some players were, were con- blaming Jake Evans for what happened and all that but sound Sounds like Blake Weird was one of the good ones, and you saw him in the post-game press conference, head down and everything. Like Shifley killed this series for this team because he's the, the probably the, their best forward, right? He's their top-line center, and he just took himself out of the series. And the whole debate about whether or not he should have been suspended, like the fact that the NHL did this with with how little, with how bad they've been about suspensions, right? They haven't been suspending players enough for hits to the head and all that. And for him to get this suspension, like when he didn't have a history, it just proves how bad of a hit it was. And like you said, they had a chance. I, I wasn't like, I was nervous. Like I was like, I was really, really hoping Evans was going to get that, that, that goal because you know, it's one of those things. They were up by two. They scored. They still have more than like a minute left. Plenty of time. Like if Shifley does a, like a, a, a like a diving play, pokes, check the puck away saves the goal, they have an opportunity to tie that game. But instead, oh, he just was obviously frustrated. Emotions got the better of him. And he cost, not only sealed the loss for them in that moment for that one game, it, it, the team never recovered. I mean, they, they just didn't have the depth that the Canadians have. I mean, you would think they did with Pierre-Luc Dubois being that big acquisition. They How happy are you that oh. we didn't trade any of Cut Kanyemi, Caulfield, or Suzuki. We had Habs fans proposing we move two of those three to go yeah. get Dubois. Can you yeah, imagine? Well, yeah, I know. Ne- neither of us ever did. I mean, <laughs> let's be clear about that. But yeah, I mean, there's p- lots of fans, and certainly the, Fran- the, the French media especially, was definitely called. I mean, I, I forget who it was in the French media, said, do you give up everything, you know, or any- anything that you need to do to get Dubois, you do it. You know, mm-hmm. be it, you know, trading Kaikinami and Suzuki in a first and Romanov, sure. doesn't matter. Just go get Dubois and look what he did. Absolutely nothing. While Suzuki was a beast in this series, Kaikinami too. I mean, he he's looking all, like a whole new player again in this playoffs. And I mean, what I mean, what a what a team effort. But I mean, yeah, like like you said, I mean, the, the Jets, I thought, looked pretty good in game one. Um, you know, I mean, they obviously made it very close. Uh, they, they were looking pretty good. But after that hit, I mean, it, I think it just killed the whole team. And it's not just because they lost Shifley. I mean, they have a lot of other skilled forwards. I mean, Kyle Connor, yeah. uh, Ehlers. I mean, they have, again. Like Wheeler's hard- getting older, but he's still a very solid player and all that, you know. And and the, the Canadians did get some bounces in this series, too. I mean, the, there's that moment where Wheeler hit the post when he thought he scored. Like, stuff like that. They, they hit a few posts that could have changed the series. But... 
in the end, it's like the the the, the Canadians just it, like because I don't want to like I understand that the Jets didn't play well, and if I'm a Jets fan, I'm unhappy. But I want I don't want to take away from the Canadians at the same time. They've bought into this system, this Jusham system, entirely. And this, I forget who said this, but one of the players in a post game conference talked about how Jusham went to each individual line because we basically have lines set right now. Evans got injured, Lekkinen stepped right in playing exactly the same role. A lot of people say, were thinking Tatar was going to come in for Evans, but like I, I'm glad Lekkinen is the one who slotted in. First of all, I think he deserves it with, with the level of effort he puts in, but I loved Evans on that line with Gallagher and Dano because it makes it a, a true shutdown line, and Lekkinen is the one you want to add there to really make it a true shutdown line that could still provide offense. And the thing with Tatar is what we're seeing is that he benefited from playing with Gallagher and Dano much more than either of them benefited from playing for the Tatar. Like, I don't want to take any too much away from him overall, but we're seeing that we can slot in Evans. We can slot in Lekkinen next to Dano on, on the left side, and the job's getting done, right? So, I mean, I think that that, that book is closed. Like, Tatar is for sure not not coming back. But you, the, the, the what, what I was saying before is Deshaun went to each and every line and told them their exact roles what their strategy is and you see it every line plays a bit differently right you have the the, the daniel line which is a shutdown line who's just in the face of the teams all the time and kind of crashing the net for the, the scoring opportunities and then you have the uh the stall line the fourth line which is doing a great job of kind of like like circling the zone and kind of just keeping possession and you see it every shift they're in right they're, they're just doing the same kind of kind of play but it's a completely different strategy than what the Dano line is doing and then you see it with the Suzuki to Foley and Caulfield line which is the much more kind of skilled line on the team and they create offenses kind of more creative ways and all that and how do you kind of play against that you know like if you're a defenseman on on another team you have to adjust every single shift the way you play and the jets were just unable to do that completely yeah absolutely i mean the, the like you said the whole team is bought into this system and and again i mean what what a difference two weeks i don't even think it was two weeks ago where we did uh, the yeah. podcast and and i mean you know again it was everybody on twitter was just like uh this team is done bergevin is gone Duchamp is coach you know game five is going to be his last game ever as a, as a coach in the nhl yeah. And what a turner. I mean, they, they look so dead in the, I mean, you know, dead in the water, basically for like, they lost four, nothing in game four to Toronto looked like it was over. You know, the, the, the team, like it seemed like they weren't showing any effort whatsoever. Duchamp just seemed way over his head, yeah. but I mean, Duchamp has, his, his coached a masterclass, he, but he stepped it up too, right? Like Absolutely. he's, he, he and I think uh, a lot of this team, whether it's the coaching staff, Bergevin, and and like everyone else, uh, even some of the players involved, like they owe a ton to Carey Price for kind of keeping them in it, giving them a chance to kind of figure it out. Because I don't think Price in in any way stole this series, right? Like the Price played great uh, against Winnipeg, made some great saves. Don't get me wrong, but the, the Habs were dominating overall, like with 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 or without Price. Uh, there, but like the way he allowed the team to kind of figure itself out in the playoffs against Toronto, and then they and then they get the momentum, and with momentum comes confidence, and then they really seem to be buying into the system, and 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 we, we're seeing the proof that getting these veteran players like guys like Eric Stahl and Corey Perry, like that fourth, like quote unquote fourth line who hasn't really been playing like a fourth line at all, it just it's just making all the difference for for this team, and like you said, it's. 
it's night and day. And like I, I will say, like some have sense. Like I, I always believed. I always believed. Okay, it wasn't like ridiculous to have given up on this team. This team had given us no reason whatsoever to think any of this was possible after Game Four. No, exactly. I, I honestly, I don't think in all the years I've been a Habs fan, I don't think aside aside from two weeks ago, I've never given up. You know, we've we've been down three nothing, three one before in series, and I've never said it's over. There's no way they're coming back. Yeah. But I mean, the, the the way that they lost that game four, it just I I didn't see it happening. What there was no way in hell that it that that, that it could happen. But I mean, it's, it, like you said, it's just been night and day. And I mean, everything is is I mean, pr- Price obviously was huge in that first series. But like you said, I mean, he honestly, I mean, if Jake Allen was in Nets against the Jets, we probably would have won it. Well, actually, the, the one thing that I will say about that though, that is, the Jets never adapted to Price's ability to play the puck, and Allen isn't as good as that. They kept trying to dump the puck behind the net and price more than he has in, in a long time. Like he always looks like a third defenseman back there, but against the jets, it was, it was crazy. And I don't know why the jets couldn't figure it out. Like dump it in the corner, like where he can't get it. Stop trying to roll it around the boards constantly. I was, I was laughing when I kept seeing them do that. And it's, it's like, are you not seeing that every time you do this, even if it's like high on the glass, Price was like his hand-eye coordination is through the roof in this series, just intercepting everything and all. And they, and they can never adapt. And, and that's an aspect of Price's play that I think, as a fan base, at least personally, I tend to take for granted. I'm noticing it more this. I guess I can't say I take for granted anymore because I bring it up so much now. But it's like it transforms this team completely. Oh yeah, it's it's it makes a huge difference for sure. I mean, like you said, it's like having a third defenseman out out yeah. there. I mean, especially you know, especially on the PK. I mean, like like you said, I mean, you know, they they, they just didn't have any answer for it whatsoever on Winnipeg. And I mean, obviously the Canadians and and Dominic Duchamp they deserve a lot of credit, but I mean, the Jets were just awful. Yeah. It's game in games two to four. I mean, to they were down three nothing in game four. Well, I mean, in the series, obviously, and they, you know, they got outshot. Well, like the shots at one point, I think were thirty-four to eleven. No, like, no, how- their their game four performance was absolutely pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Yeah. I mean, game uh, that's a team that had given up uh, to me, yeah. and and they almost got lucky because they got a few fluky goals uh, from like, I mean, I don't know that much about Logan Stanley as as a player. But I feel like you ask him to take that shot from the first goal and the second goal a hundred more times, he doesn't place it as perfectly again. Like, I don't know a lot of people were saying saying the second goal was a little weak by Carey Price. And I agree that usually he does stomp those. But those are two, like, perfectly placed top corners. And it's just, they just kind of went in. But you look at the third, they were just, like, waiting and hoping we'd make a mistake. And then a couple mistakes did happen. But then Price was there. He was always ready, you know, which is something he's had an issue with in the past being kind of, you know, Price, we always say, does better when he gets a lot of shots against him. But the few opportunities they did have in the third, he was still, you know, stonewalling them. So there was no issue there. But, like, like at any point in overtime, did you feel like that the Habs weren't going to pull this off in this overtime? Like, the Jets were pathetic, but game game two, like you said, game one they played one. Game two was just one nothing, and the Habs played a perfect kind of shutdown road game. But you know, it it doesn't take a lot for that game to kind of turn around a one nothing win like that. No, for sure, for sure. But I mean, again, the, yeah, the Canadians definitely shut it down, and Carey Price did what he had to do. 
but yeah, I mean, again, the Jets didn't really put up too much fight. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, basically Mark Shifley threw threw away the series for them. And even funnier, he will be missing the first game oh, of next. I season. know that's the like like we say in French, it's that's Sunday. Like the the fact that he has to miss the first game on top of it too is just he gets to think about it for the entire summer. You know, it's just uh, it's, it's just wonderful and. And just to show the domination, too, did you see that? I forget who tweeted this out. It was one of those advanced, advanced stats on Twitter, guys, uh, basically that calculates, like, the expected goals for and all that. This series win by the Habs is the most dominant series win since they've been tracking that statistic. Oh, I'm not surprised at all. It could have been, it been even worse if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he definitely yeah. kept them in some of those games. I mean, yeah. and he's fantastic as he usually is, and... Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously using she- losing Shifley is a big piece, but, I mean, you know, all the rest of their players were just awful. I mean, you know, even even on defense, you know, I mean, obviously they don't have the best defense, but, I mean, even Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, yeah. they're counted on to, especially Pionk to, to, to contribute offensively, and, and they were invisible the whole, the whole time. So, I mean, great performance by the Canadians, but, uh, yeah, the Jets, just terrible. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the the thing that worries me now a little bit though is because, like, I, that's what I was saying at the end of the the, the last series with uh, when we went when we went seven and people were talking about like I predicted that the Canadians would come out and win the first game right because but people were saying oh they're going to be tired Jets are well rested this is not the first time we see this this happens a lot in the playoffs and I think it's specifically bad in in, in the first round uh, where if you, one team sweeps and the other one goes six or seven. The team that sweeps kind of comes in cold. But now, I think that's part of what happened with the Jets. Now, are we not worried that the same thing might happen to the Canadians? I mean, it's it's always, it's definitely a concern. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the Jets had, if I'm not mistaken, nine days off. The Canadians yeah. aren't going to have nine days off. I mean, I sure. think... The maximum they're they're probably going to have if the other if the Colorado Vegas series goes to seven they're probably going to have seven days off, but I mean like you said I mean it's, it's it's different having it in the first round and the second round I think because I mean the Canadians I think they need all the rest they can get at this yeah, point. I agree I agree I mean you know it's it, and and on the other side I mean well yes I mean the Canadians and Maple Leaf series was was a pretty it, it wasn't necessary there, there wasn't a whole lot of hits going on I don't think there was too many injuries necessarily on the Canadian side so you know it, it, but this time they're definitely going to need the need all the rest they can get and I mean the that Avalanche and Golden Knights series I mean that's that's a pretty that's that's a pretty intense one. So whoever does make it out of that is is probably going to be a, a little a little tired for sure. So I don't think we'll we'll necessarily see the Canadians come out flat like the Jets did. I I don't think so uh, either. And and really the the Petrie injury alone is reason enough to to be thankful for this uh, for this uh, little bit of a break. And I'm sure like some of the well like in the in the in the fourth game was probably Stahl's weaker game. I would say. Like, like you could, like Saul and Perry, you could tell that kind of age catches up to them a little bit when, when there's a lot of games in a row. And the thing with the Canadian, this Canadians team is, is, it's a big reason why, like, I think they struggled throughout the year is, especially in the second half, there is the, the, like, they had that one week off and then they had another week off because of COVID where, where they had no practices. And so they had the super condensed schedule, which one, it was the, literally the most condensed set schedule of all time. And we're, we're seeing here that this, it, it affected them. I really believe that it affected them. The, the the lack of lack of practice time with a new coach and just and just being kind of mentally and physically exhausted throughout the season, 
And now you get to the playoffs and the teams you're playing are playing just as often as you are. Uh, and it's just no one's more rested than anyone else. Right? Like, like if the, when you're playing game three, if it's your third game in four nights, it's the third game in four nights for the other team, too. You know what I mean? And and it just you're, you're seeing the difference here. And I'm almost wondering if they were lucky enough to still make it into the playoffs despite, you know, kind of crashing at the end of the season. They were able, able to hold on to that last playoff spot. And that adversity, though, like the fact that they had to go through that with a rough schedule, I'm wondering if that's helping them now, being like, well, I, we just had to go through a, the hardest se- regular season we've ever had to go through. So these playoffs, like, they, they, they come a lot easier for them. You know what I mean? I feel like it helped yeah. them in a certain way. Yeah, no, I mean, de- definitely. I mean, they had a lot of adversity this season. You know, it, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, and obviously the schedule was a big part of it as well. And, and, and because of that condensed schedule, how condensed it was, because of obviously, like you mentioned, the COVID, I mean, they were basically off for like seven or eight days and they had that other break. Uh, being so condensed, I, I mean, they, they struggled so much at the end of the season and had to deal with so much adversity. And then obviously the, the beginning of the Maple Leaf series didn't go so great either. So, you know, I mean, they're they're just they, they've gone through that together. They know that they can get through, you know, tough moments like that. And and I mean, the, the next series is definitely going to be a tough one. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to be on their game. And, and and definitely with that condensed schedule, I mean, this this rest is 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 definitely going to do wonders for them. I mean, like you said, I mean, with so many so many veterans like like Corey Perry, Eric Stahl. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that are banged up. Obviously, Jeff Petrie, Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he seems to be dealing with some stuff. Gallagher, I'm sure is, too. You know, he he hasn't necessarily looked uh, looked at 100%. Josh Anderson, I don't think is playing uh, 100% either. So it's it's definitely going to be welcome rest because it's it's been a while that they've they they haven't had you know the opportunity to to, to I guess practice and and really rest up a little bit. And just the fact that they get to kind of enjoy the series win and all that, I think I think it's it, it, I think it'll be good for them. And the, the team this team seems so they seem mentally strong, right? And and I think like a big thing thing that happened with that Evans injury and obviously like like it, it it goes without saying but like I would prefer he didn't get that injury but it's something that's clearly brought this team together and and you saw it as it was happening some people were pointing it out one on one side on the Canadian side you had the whole team came on the ice the and they really looked like a team they looked like a family right they were concerned for him they skated him off and they were really like they they like you had to foley that right away jumped on um on Shifley, you had Weber that looked like he wanted to tear someone's head off. And th- th- it really brought them together. While there were reports that on the Jets bench, there were some players that you could tell from their body language did not like the hit and were upset by the selfish act, which was the hit, because it put their team in a bad position. While you had other players that were apparently claiming that, that it was Evan's fault, you need to keep your head up. And it's one of those things where it's the type of hit that's still very debated in the NHL, unfortunately, because you still have that culture of, like, quote-unquote, keep your head up, and, you know, as if head injuries aren't a problem. And you have to wonder if that kind of divided that locker room a little bit, and if there were maybe some behind-closed-doors things. Like, the way I saw Wheeler in that post-game conference, who is the captain of, of of the Jets and by all accounts an extremely passionate player, he, he I think, was upset with Shifley. And that kind of tears a locker room apart and all that. And I feel like you saw it on the ice. And on the flip side, the Canadians just – they were already close from that coming down from 1-3. One, one and then you add that moment. This team is, is just – you can tell they want to win for each other. Like more yeah. than I've ever seen a Habs team before. It, like – 
that I can remember on it. Like since Koivu came back from cancer, like like the, the, the team there was obviously extremely close and wanted to win for Koivu, and, and they went on a bit of a run when they did make it to the playoffs. But this team, they just want to win for each other. It's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, I mean, Blake Wheeler looked looked dejected after game one. And yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Shifley basically, you know, I mean, it's such a selfish play like that so and to, 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 to basically kill your team like that. And I think, you know, you mentioned it, that, that a lot of the players on the bench were saying, you know, that it was Evan's fault. And there was actually apparently some other players that were saying, you know, yelling at, at Corey Perry that he did yeah. the same thing to John Tavares yeah. last series. Um, so, and, and, and apparently Blake, Blake Wheeler was, was pretty pissed off about that. So, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that, that probably divided the the room as well. I mean, and like you said, I mean, it, it had obviously the opposite effect for the Canadians. And and I mean, one thing that that I really think, I mean, you got to be proud about the proud of the Canadians for is just the fact that they went into game two and, you know, they didn't get out of their game and start like trying to hurt people and yeah. and just play stupid. They stuck to their game plan and and, you know, they did what they had to do. And and, you know, and the Jets didn't, obviously. And that's why we're here. That game, too, is proof. That giving an adequate suspension, I, I personally would have preferred if the suspension was just you're out for the rest of the series, regardless how long it goes. Luckily, that's how it worked out. But that's just proof that it's important to give out these suspensions to these types of hits because of how game two unfolded. There, there was no, like, stu- none of those stupid, like, planned fights like we see, like, the, the dumb fight that Perry was basically forced to do or the, the or the or the the byron fight which byron's fight was even more ridiculous because he did get suspended but it, it's it, this is what ha- it keeps the game contained and you don't want you don't get some stupid crap happening like you saw happen in um what was it the vegas series uh or no was it the yeah, rangers well, i mean the rangers too the yeah, rangers yeah exactly and the capitals you know, the, the, it's why it's key to have these suspension i think it's a suspension that the players on on the Canadians felt they were kind of satisfied with the suspension that was given, and and I think the leadership group on the team, like Shea Weber, Stahl, Perry, and then you have the coach, were all saying the same thing that we're going to focus on the game, right? So it, it, they they just responded perfectly, and I, I I love that it's how how the team responded. It's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think we're we were all pleasantly surprised when it was four games. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely expected it to be even less. Um, yeah. You know, and and even like the the morning when I woke up and I started really looking at it and looking at some at a lot of people's online sort of thought process, I was like, I'm I'm sure they're going to find a way to not give them anything. Yeah. Which would which was mind boggling to me. But I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, it's not the the 80s or the 90s anymore. We know what damage these headshots do. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's it's time to start you know stop fucking around with this stuff. They have to punish this is you know severe severely like this, because you know I mean it, it, you can't keep letting this happen. I mean Jake Evans now this is the, his fourth concussion in two and a half years, the second time he's been taken off the ice on a on a on a stretcher. I mean he it could potentially be the end of his career. I mean who knows? Yeah, I mean, obviously we hope not, but. Yeah. I, mean, I really hope the team, no matter what, gives him his opportunity next year, you know, uh, because it's like he was really coming into his own, right? He was cementing his spot for next year, looking great next to Deno there, and he, he like he has that great flexibility of being able to play at center, but he's at that point where you start to really worry, right? It's just, like, and you don't want it to affect the rest of his life and all that, and it's, 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's really horrible, right? Like we're we're not yeah, hearing too much the, about it. We're not too focused on it because the Canadians moved on and kind of won the series. But you really hope he reco- does a full recovery from that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, I mean, obviously he needs to take as much time as he needs, and and hopefully, I mean, definitely don't expect him to see back see him back this season. But no. uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he'll be good to go next season and. And, you know, I mean, hopefully he doesn't have to deal with any long-term effects of it. But but this is exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the year and why the depth of the Montreal Canadiens was such a huge asset. And it, not just with, uh, with like, because, like, Lekkonen stepped in. And, and like I was saying it, uh, earlier, I love seeing Lekkonen getting his shot. I hate seeing him in the press box. I kind of get why it happens here and there because of the, the crazy depth this team has. But he works his ass off when he's on the ice, and I love that he got a couple goals. Like he, he's kind of got that. He, he's got that playoff energy, right? And he makes sense to have him there. But then not just that. Then you got Petrie going down, which I, I know the game was the series was more or less kind of in the bag at that point because it's, it's up three nothing already going into game four. But I mean, you ask me what losing Petrie for a game would do to this team a few weeks ago, and I would be like, forget about it. We we can't beat any team in, in the NHL if if Petrie is out and. Romanov steps in, and then everyone kind of like in the the top, the top now top three instead of top four t- taking more minutes, Kulak taking more minutes, and just the depth on this team. And someone else has been looking really good. Now was Eric Gustafson. Oh my like, God! I mean, the first couple of games, like before he came into the lineup, the power play was a complete atrocious. disaster. Yeah. I mean, like you know, I think we even joked about it at one point that we you know we we might as well just not take the power play at that point because it was just terrible but i mean the power play is just on fire at this point with eric gustafson i mean like yesterday the jets couldn't even get it out of the zone i mean his shot his goal yesterday it wasn't just like a fluky shot that was a beautiful like intelligent like that's a guy that knows how to score from the point like that fake shot that threw the i think it was thompson and it was kind of like thompson Mm -hmm. had the turnover right and uh, we've had Thompson on this team. Uh, he's a hard worker, right? He like, and you know he hates that turnover. It's not, it's uncharacteristic to see him make. That was a really dumb play by him. But they get the turnover, and now he's on Gustafson. And you know Thompson, all he wants to do is block the shot. And Thompson will block the shot with his head, with with his nuts, with anything at that point, because he feels like it's his fault. His team's in this situation, and the type of guy I know he is from his time in Montreal, I know he'll do anything to block that shot. And it's almost like Gustafson knew that too, because as soon as he flinched a little bit to make it seem like he was going to shoot, Thompson was out of, out of the way, right? Because he knew he wanted to blo- more than anything to block his shot. He kind of outplayed him completely, outplayed Hellebuck too in that moment, got got him off his game a little bit, and then the perfect shot off the post. That was a beautiful point shot on the power play. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was beautiful. And I mean, and and you know, they scored on that one, but really every power play that they've really they had in that series yeah. was, was was they were constantly a threat i mean i don't remember the last time that the uh, canadians had that good of a power play yeah, i mean they well they, they went through a pretty good stretch at one point this season when alex burrows uh came in with yeah, when Adam he first Michelle. came in it was like a five game stretch and it just died after that yeah but uh i mean eric gustafson i mean you know it, Mark Bergevin got a lot of flack when he came over and then he wasn't used. And, and I mean, the, the turner, the turnover really that all, you know, that, that cost the Canadians a lot of momentum in game one, um, yeah. you know, when the, to allow the shorthanded goal by Adam Laurie, I mean, 
you know, a lot of people, I think, including myself, <laughs> including myself, were saying, okay, that's the last time we're going to see yeah. Gustafson in, in a and jersey. But I- I'm wondering if that's our mentality from years of having Claude Julien and Michel Therrien as a coach is telling us that because you gotta show, you gotta respect Duchamp that after that he kept going with the same unit because that thing is that unit only has Gustafson on the ice as a defenseman. So basically yeah. doesn't have a defenseman on the ice. <laughs> and the fact that after that turnover, that it was almost very costly, they still stuck with that unit moving forward. That's not something we, we've seen on this Canadians team. Like, Junie, the next game, Gustafson would have been in the press box after that play. You know what I mean? And it, it, Duchamp not making that decision has what proved to be the right decision because – it's so crucial to have a good power play and good special teams. It, it, and, and like you said, even when they don't score, because how deflating has it been previously when they get a power play and then nothing, not even a shot, they barely get into the zone. It's just, it, it kills, it's deflating. And then the other team always has momentum on the way back. So even if they don't score, but they get opportunities, it, it's a huge plus to get the power play in that, in that situation. And Gustafson's doing that. Now what I'm wanting at this point, and I don't want to get past the playoffs because we're still in them, but are we thinking we're going to offer Gustafson the contract to come back at this point? I mean, it's, I mean, so, so like right now, I mean, you, you've got to think probably, I mean, I feel like they have so many defensemen on the left though. It's, it's going to be, yeah. I don't know how they're going to piece together. I mean, maybe, maybe at that point, a guy like Kulak, maybe he gets moved. Well, I mean, obviously the, the expansion draft That's too, true. that we'll have to see what, what happens there. But, uh, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, especially if you could get him on, like, a cheaper Cheap, sort of yeah. deal. You know, if you, I mean, I think he's a great five, six, seven defenseman, so, and yeah. And they're using him perfectly, right? That, that, that's that's what I've been, been loving about the, the Duchamp in, in these kind of, like, since game five is how he's been using his players in in the right way, you know? Like, and and like playing the minutes they need to play, it's it's like management of his roster has been, has been masterful. And Gustafson's a great example of that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the way like uh, like in the, in this last game, and he's done this quite a bit. The la- the third pairing essentially was Gustafson and Romanov. Yeah. But uh, unless I'm mistaken, they didn't play together whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they're just mixing and matching guys. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable what he's doing and, 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 and it just shows you how the players have bought into the system too right because yeah. basically it doesn't matter who they're playing with they they, they can all play with anyone on the ice uh, there were moments where it was Sherratt and, and and Edmonton on the ice at the same time and and they they, they wouldn't miss they wouldn't miss a beat right they, they've really all bought into the, the system and, and they can play well with anyone it's not something you could would work as well I think with the forward group but with defense why not why not it's working great no, exactly. I mean, and, and right now, everything Duchamp is touches basically turns to gold. So I uh, hope hopefully he can keep it going and the Habs yeah. can keep it going. But uh, yeah, I mean, right right now, I mean, he's he's obviously earned himself another year, at least another year. Well, another contract, definitely with the Canadians. And and uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to hopefully they can keep it going eight down, eight to go. But uh, that's the thing we talked about it after the, the, the Leafs series of this guaranteed both Bergevin and Duchamp spot. And now it's 100% guaranteed. There, there's, there's no, yeah, right. There's no way. Like the, my only concern now is, is Bouchal. Uh, yeah. Is he gone? Because he could be gone. Like if, if he wants a head coaching position in the NHL, I don't think the Canadians are the ones they're going to give him at, the, at this point. 
Uh, I hope they just try to overpay him as an AHL coach because who cares? Like I don't care. It's not my money. It's uh, exactly. You can't spend more than the cap anyways. Give him give him too much money. I don't care. <laughs> like just keep him in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that's what's going to happen. You know, I mean, obviously he's doing a great job at the Laval Rocket. Laval Rocket also were were the best team, uh, best Canadian team in the North. So. Eh? Hopefully, uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, anyway, we got to playoffs to get through first. Yeah, before exactly, we exactly. All right, so so then let, let, let's get to the next series. So it's still going. It's Vegas versus versus Colorado. And I know, yeah. So you had a pull up right uh, earlier today. And last night, check. I don't know if it's changed since, but Colorado was like basically the poll was asking who would have fans prefer to face in the second round in the third round. And Colorado seemed to be winning by 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 a lot there, which which kind of surprises me personally. I don't know how you feel about it. Like like let's forget for a second about the whole narrative of the former Nordiques and all that. As far as the team, I feel like our roster has the better chance of beating because it, it, we're they're going to be the underdogs. I feel like personally, Vegas is the team that I could see Price stealing the series a little bit, and we can kind of go toe to toe with them a bit more because the top in talent in Colorado. I'm a little concerned we don't have a, an answer for that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I really don't know. I mean, okay, so so right now it is uh, it's 56 percent for Colorado, 43. Well, basically 56 and a half percent for Colorado, 43 and a half for Vegas. It's so close. I mean, like, like you said, it's I mean, the, the thing to worries, I mean, obviously the Canadians are going to be you know the underdog either way. But and like you said, I mean, Colorado is definitely concerning because of the top end talent that they have. I mean, the Canadians definitely can't compete with that top end talent. Uh, you know, I mean, and in everywhere. I mean, they have great forwards. You know, they can rack up the goals. Obviously, with Landis, Scott, McKinnon, Ratton, on defense. I mean, they have a probably the most stacked defense in the NHL. Yeah. You know, with you know, when you have like Ryan Graves, basically as your worst defenseman, that's that's pretty damn good. And a stacked young defense, right? Like yeah, that's exactly. Man, like like and like Kale, Kale McCarr, one of the best kind of puck moving defensemen uh, in the league, arguably the best. Like he used to get compared to. Like in their rookie years, him and Quinn Hughes get compared a lot. I mean, to me, there's no comparison. We saw Quinn Hughes this, in this regular season a lot, and he can play offense. He can't play defense. I mean, maybe he'll grow that into his game, but right now, Makar is a much better defenseman overall. So that that's the thing that scares me. That first line, but he, that's because I was talking about the, the, it's interesting because whichever team we go against, there's a lot of interesting and fun narratives, right? Because obviously, Colorado being the former Nordiques, but not just that. The big quote that got mentioned a lot about players saying Dano was the hardest player to play against. One of the biggest names that said that was Nathan McKinnon, which was surprising because it's not like McKinnon has had to play against Dano a lot. So the fact that in the few games he's had to play against him, he remembers him as being someone that's he hates playing against because he's always on him. He's always kind of, you know, in his face and all that. It, it, it tells you a lot, right, That how he feels about him. So part of me is kind of curious to like, okay, Dano, can you even shut down this line? But then if he can shut down that line, now I'm scared. Now I'm like, okay, how much money are we going to have to pay this guy? <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely racking up the money the long, you know, the, the further the Canadians go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Vegas is probably the team that, that, that we'd probably have less difficulty with. You know, the, the only thing really with Colorado, again, I mean, they're so stacked. I know Philip Grubauer had a had an amazing season, but I would still rather face Grubauer than uh, than Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, 
So, I mean, that's, that's sort of the one thing for me, but yeah, I mean, you know, Vegas obviously is a great team too, but I mean, they, they definitely don't have the top end talent that the, well, the thing with Vegas though, is that like their second line is better than Colorado's second line, but I think Colorado's first line is obviously better than, you know, like it's like, but Vegas kind of has maybe a bit more going, going down, going down the line there. But and then Vegas, it's like Match Pacioretty, right? It's the former captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Like either way, there's that there, there's a fun narrative to go into 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 this playoffs. What what bums me out the most about facing Vegas, though, honestly, is if it wasn't for a pandemic, we'd be talking about right. Okay, okay, like if if we're playing Vegas, what what weekend are we going down to Vegas to catch a game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, obviously Pacioretty, and I mean Suzuki too, right? I mean, yeah. he's one of the biggest uh, biggest players for the Canadians. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, both, you know, either either one's going to be really exciting. It's they're both going to be extremely challenging. But man, we're so close to to the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Yeah. I mean, have we have we really ever felt this close? Oh, I mean, uh, what, of we, course. The the year that Kreider took out Price, I think they yeah. had a legitimate shot there. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, I mean, we felt yeah. We, you know, I think this is the third time in in the last like. Well, since since well the the 2000s basically that, that we've been in this uh, you know obviously we lost to the Flyers back in uh, yeah. I don't know 2000 that that series oh my God were did you were you in, did you go to Game One in Philadelphia with me were you no or did no. I go somewhere no man that was we lost like five to one yeah. we were in the like nosebleeds but it was like we, the tickets we got came with like free food or something which was a huge mistake. Because all the Flyers fans around us didn't care about the food they had because they didn't have to pay for it. So they were, they were just throwing fries. And they would dip the fries in ketchup before throwing it on us. <laughs> you know, like that's that's like that's premeditated douchebaggery. That you know what yeah, I mean? That's pretty bad. That's that. Like we had to leave early, I remember, because it was, it was getting wild and they were getting crushed so much. But uh, Michael Layton shut us out like two or three times that series. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah this – it's the best I felt about the team, I think. I don't know. It's hard to say because I mean we're in it right now, but yeah. man. But I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a big high right now. And so I mean, we got a couple of comments too from uh, from listeners. So, you know, we can maybe uh, throw a couple of those out. Uh, so I mean, uh, so uh, Marc Andre Gagnon at Ma Gagnon on Twitter said, "I wanted to select it. Doesn't matter. The boys will be ready for game one. Definitely agree with mm-hmm. that." Uh, Nicholas, so at Outdoor Nick, uh, I want the Pacho versus Suzuki matchup, but both of these teams will be a welcome challenge after having 70 matches between the same six teams. I mean, yeah. definitely have to agree with that. I mean, so, we were so pumped about it, but oh my god, it's like t- I'm so tired of playing. I know. Over I, so over. Well, the thing is, is I'm not. I'm still like kind of like in on the idea of a Canadian division. Like, I don't think it, it's ever going to stick because of the travel and all that. But, like, usually you don't only play the team in your division is the thing, right? Like, it's like I'm so over it, too. It's like – but at the same time, it makes me nervous because it's like – because people have been talking about the Canadian division being the weak division. It's like, like who knows, right? Like, we barely had to play against these other teams. But is the Canadians' kind of masterful shutdown defense style going to be enough to shut down the top-line offense of either of these teams? Right? It's, it's, there's, it's impossible to predict, really. Like, obviously, I understand – that the, these two teams, regardless of which one comes out, has to be the favorite. But, I mean, we don't know. We really don't know. None of these teams have played each other this year, you know? Because look at, for example, how even when the Canadians in the regular season were doing great, they couldn't figure out Ottawa. Like, who knows if the Canadians aren't that team for one of these two teams that for some reason we match up really well against them and they can't figure us out in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, there's no guarantees at all here. 
No, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, you're you're facing a whole new opponent, right? I mean, you 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 you're used to playing a certain certain way against the teams you've seen all season long. So, I mean, you know, certainly that 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 could play into it as well. I mean, who knows what's going to happen when when us and whoever we end up playing against face each other? I mean, like you said, I mean, maybe it's hopefully we'll have their number. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Exactly. And, and we we have the prep time, right? Like we we yeah. can we can kind of. The, the coaching staff and all that can look at both teams. Okay, if we're facing them, this will be the game plan for facing This will be the game plan. But for these guys, whether it goes six or seven, they're going to have a game maximum like two days later. You know what I mean? Like the, the, there's not going to be a lot of time in between series for, for either Vegas or uh, or Colorado, right? So uh, it, it, the, the Canadians should have had the advantage there. I mean, we didn't see it in the Winnipeg series, right? The Canadians came out stronger even in game one. But this, I feel like this is where the coaching staff really comes into play, right? Like, are they going to do the work to really be prepared going into, you know, having had the break, the advantage of the break? They, you'd think that that's where it really comes into play. And as much as we weren't fans of Duchamp for a while, we were disappointed in him. Now we're kind of thinking, uh, is it just that he didn't have the time to practice with the team? Because now I feel really confident in his ability to prepare for whichever one of these teams that we have to face. Yeah, and I mean now it's it's kind of going to be the opposite, right? I mean they're going to have a pretty decent amount of time off, so yeah. he's going to have to have to keep that fire lit under the team. Um, and you know just to get just to get to a couple of other comments here, so we got Jacob Bork uh, saying that would be living in the most optimal world if we could. Uh, so basically, if uh, he wants to see Vegas win ga- Game Seven, Colorado tie it up, and then Vegas win in seven. That okay. uh, you know they'd have to travel back to Vegas and they wouldn't end up on a winning streak. Best case scenario, in his opinion. And then we had another uh, another listener, Steve. Uh, that that might be the worst case. Look how rusty the Jets were after sitting for a week. Habs want to p- keep playing S A uh, A S A P. But again, we already sort of touched on that. You know, it's it, it can be a bit of a double-edged sword. But I think you know if the Canadians get that little bit of extra rest especially with Petrie being injured now. I mean, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, he's probably going to play regardless, but I mean, the more time he can get off yeah. the better. So yeah, like I do think Petrie would have played yesterday Yeah, if it was a bit more of a, you know, if it was like a game six or seven and, 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 and potential elimination games and all that, I, I doubt he doesn't, he doesn't play such a, like we haven't really touched on it. It's, it's, it's so annoying that he got injured like that. Like we, the team has been, pre, was pretty lucky to come out of the first round relatively kind of like no injuries or at least maybe only small ones we don't hear about. And obviously there was the Evans play, which I, I wouldn't call it unlucky. It was just the other team was dirty. But that, to get his fingers stuck like that in, in, in the boards, and he's such an integral part of this team, it, it's really frustrating. Yeah, you know, it's just just terrible luck. I mean, what are, what are the odds of that happening? I mean, when, when do you really ever see something like that happen? But, yeah, you know, I mean... You know, he'll have a few days off to to hopefully get it as rested as possible. But yeah, I think like like you said, I mean, if it wasn't three nothing for the Canadians already, he probably would have played. I mean, he was he was basically a game time decision. So yeah. you got to figure he's going to be ready to go for game one. So so then, I mean, you didn't really answer yourself the question. Would, would you also agree that Vegas is the team that you'd uh, you you uh, could pick? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Colorado's just got so much firepower. But uh, you know, Marc Andre Fleury is always always scary to face for sure. More yeah, more but so. if we're talking about a a goalie, yeah. if it's gonna be like a goalie matchup, I'll take Price. You know. Yeah. No. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I I think I'd rather face Vegas, but 
again, I'd, I'd whoever it is, hopefully it goes seven in that series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think uh, the, the 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 odds of the Habs getting another sweep here are are, are slim to none. And it, and now though, it's uh, the the thing that's. I mean, I don't I don't want to look ahead too much, but the potential. Of I know they're down three two, but the potential of a of a Bruins Canadians final, and I I don't know if you remember, but early, earlier in the season, I, I mentioned that that would be a possibility. How crazy crazy that would be! It's the only time it could ever happen, right? Like assuming we never have a crazy kind of pandemic situation like this again, that would be like imagine going through the Leafs in the first round, and then the Jets in Montreal never had much of a rivalry, but then you have the Leafs in the first round, hypothetically, the former Nordiques. In uh, in in the third round, and then the Bruins in the final. It's like I'm gonna start thinking this is scripted. If I'm being honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really couldn't read a better script. I mean, that that would be crazy. I mean, obviously the Canadians have to get past whoever they're playing. Of course. And of then course. Boston has to come back down three two, and then they have to beat probably the Tampa Bay Lightning. So. Yeah. No. Of course. Of course. But you know, it's it's just it's fun to speculate, and it's it like. I'm so not like I'm like so not stressed about it as much anymore because like it's like found money at this point, right? And 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 it's just it's also it's not like so we talked uh when in the doom and gloom episode about how like I wasn't even sure this team was a, was a team that could make the playoffs next year. And regardless of how this these playoff this playoff run ends, I I don't think it were a sure play, play, fire making the playoffs next year in in the division will will be in. But what's great about this run is if if it wasn't that the kids are a big part of this run. I feel to me, it adds an extra like, aspect to it because even if, 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 if they don't get, they lose the next round and, 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 and like quickly in like five games. And, and now all of a sudden the, 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 this team is going into next year, not guaranteed to make the playoffs now having a bottom four pick in, uh, in, in the draft and all that. It's the experience that you're getting from Suzuki and Caulfield now have points on two crucial overtime goals. I mean, Caulfield with a primary assist on both. That that that, that we haven't t- talked about. That play yesterday was absolutely amazing. Like a perfect pass, it, turning into a playmaker. And Kotkaniemi showing again that he can perform in the playoffs. Uh, he had that overtime goal. He had the first goal of this series against the Jets, setting the tone. I mean, Romanov had it. Like he, he played sparingly, but still, I'm so glad he got a game in. And he he you could tell he was smiling ear to ear. He this is not this was not a bitter player that was bitter he hadn't been playing. This was a kid that understands his role and was excited that he was finally his name was called and had a very respectable performance. Yes, I think he played really, really solid. All this experience with these young guys is so huge right now that that it's going through them that this team is doing this. They're learning how to win. You know, like this is invaluable experience for Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, Kotkaniemi, Romanov and all that. It's I'm absolutely loving it. Absolutely, and and not only that, but uh, actually we got we got a Twitter question right as we were started recording, I believe, and it sort of touches on this. So it's uh, from Hugh at Hugh seventy seven 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 on Twitter. Could you talk about the value of being around the big team during the playoffs is for the young black aces? So that so basically the, the young guys that get called up from the Laval Rocket to just sort mm-hmm. of be with the team. And I mean, this, you know, it goes into to what you were just saying. I mean, th- this experience and I mean, winning in the playoffs and the way that they won it, ju- it I mean, it's it does so much for the kids. I mean, it teaches them how to win. And I mean, you know, we've seen it a bunch of times with uh, with teams that, you know, we thought were going to be good. And, and I mean, oh, they have this great young nucleus and, and it, they just flop. And we've seen it. I mean, just with the Oilers. I mean, the the Oilers, they keep on choking. 
you know, they have the young guy and it may be less so right now, but like in the past when Taylor Hall was there, you know, when they had yeah. Jordan Everly, yeah. they just, every year we thought this is going to be the year. The same thing with Buffalo too. We've how many, like it's been, I feel, I feel like the last decade we've been saying, Oh, this is going to be the year where I haven't, I always thought I mean, they were going to suck. But. Don't forget about the Leafs. Like they're, they're, and they're, the Leafs, exactly. You know, like I think a big reason of the Canadians being able to come back. I mean, the Canadians fought hard. Price was a big piece, but this Leafs team, when as soon as adversity started coming, knocking on the door, you could feel it, and you saw it in Game Seven, especially right because it's a team that, that that's kind of feeling like, can we get over this hump? And now what we're realizing is that our young core is a bunch of guys that are gamers, it's a bunch of guys that show up in the big moments that aren't scared of the big moments. And Cole Caulfield, he's not even a rookie yet, technically. He's a rookie next season. You know, he, he he's a pre-rookie right now, and he just does not look up out of place at all in overtime. He wants the puck. He wants to be out there. Nick Suzuki, it's the same thing. We saw it with Kakanyemi, too. That These are the guys we're meant to build our team around is a huge asset going going forward. It's, it, there's a lot of reasons to be excited for this team, regardless of how it ends here. Just... Yeah, I mean, like just yeah. enjoy these games, man. It's just it's it's amazing. Now winning these games, and, and like you said, I mean they're they've they're playing like gamers. They're stepping up in the biggest moments. You know, it's it's Cole Caulfield. It's I mean he's he's the one that got that beautiful assist last night. Yeah. He had a beautiful assist the other the other night. I mean Kakinami two playoffs and Suzuki two playoffs in a row where he's. I mean, they, they've both been lights out, basically. Yeah. Romanov, I mean, again, you know, he hadn't played in in a few weeks now, and he played a great. But I mean, obviously in limited time, but still, and even just for the guys that aren't playing, like, you know, those black aces, I mean, just yeah. to be around this culture with, with the veterans and with the young guys too, and, and seeing what it takes to win in these, in these high pressure games, it's, you can't put a price on on that experience they're getting right now. No, I, I, absolutely, absolutely not. And, and the one thing we haven't touched on either is that the top score for this team right now is Tyler Toffoli, right? Now he's not a young guy at this point. He's kind of a, Compared to these kids, he's kind of the veteran. He's the veteran on his line, that's for sure. Gets that overtime goal. He's got he's gotten other kind of clutch goals in this series. And he, like his first round, I feel like I didn't notice him as much, but he still got the points up. He still was kind of up there in, in, in the in the top point getter for the team. Second round, I've, I've noticed him a lot more. I think he's really developing chemistry with Suzuki and Caulfield. And I, this is a line that could be together for years to come, right? Those three together. And I saw someone else mention. I think it was going around on Twitter today a little bit. Is Tyler Toffoli the best UFA signing the Montreal Canadiens have made? Like maybe not forever, but in the last like 15 years. Yeah, I, I definitely can't like, think of another. <laughs> I like, can't who even. Who else think even keeps, comes close? I mean, yeah, we got some awesome. big years from Camilleri, for example. Uh, I mean, he was great in, in, in one of our playoff runs for sure. So he was solid there. Uh, Aside from that, I still take Toffoli over that. Who else is yeah. there? I mean, Gianta was solid too when he was yeah. here. But uh, yeah, no, I I really can't think of anyone. Um, you know, may, maybe some guys in the, in in the nineties, maybe. I mean, well, uh, that's the thing. Like I, I I'm t- like in our, you know, like if you're like me, like you, you your first Canadian days that you remember, like I don't really remember nine, 93 personally. It's like it's really the Kovivu years and and after that, right? You know, the post. Roy kind of Habs that kind of struggled for years up to today is kind of 
the Canadians that I know uh, and uh, and and have have had a hard time loving at times because they haven't always been the best. But they they keep doing these Cinderella runs though. It's, we've had a few of these. They haven't had a cup, but they have these Cinderella runs, which are very very fun. Uh, that's for sure. But as far as UFA signings, I, I mean, it's no it's no secret that it's very hard for the Canadians to get UFAs to sign here in general. And the fact that <laughs> that the Canucks just let him go too is like, I mean. Did you not realize how lucky you were to have him? <laughs> like, I don't get I it. I know. I know. And then we got, I mean, what a, like a great deal. Like, e- even when he did, like, we ne- obviously never expected to fully to be this yeah. great. But even when we did sign him, it was like, oh, man, that's that's a pretty good deal yeah. for a guy that, you know, could could score 20 goals, maybe maybe 30 goals in a, in yeah. a full season. He could have scored uh, 10 less goals, and it would still have been a great signing. You know what I mean? Like... Exactly. And and talking about UFAs, I mean, you know, I forget who exactly posted this, but but a, a player had contacted, I think it was I think it was a girl that had posted it's a a player an NHL player had contacted her or or texted her saying, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the Canadians have have won two series in 8 days and Toronto hasn't won in seven hasn't won one in 17 years. That uh, UFAs are going to be looking at the at the Canadian this Canadian team and seeing how exciting they are. And I mean you just gotta look again at Tyler Toffoli, the way that he saw Nick Suzuki playing last season in the bubble, the way that he played in the playoffs and he was excited about coming to uh, coming to Montreal. Yeah, so so that that tweet, just to be clear, it was Emily Kaplan, right? And she's uh yeah, she got a text from a player saying uh, Montreal eliminated more teams in the last week uh and less uh, than Toronto has in, in 17 years, this league, man. And it's and, and it's like you just said, like th- these moments are huge and UFAs are noticing this. And this is when you might have an opportunity to have guys uh, sign in Montreal. I mean, it, it, I don't want to preemptively go into the kind of the, the what, what, what to do in the postseason here. But it's just I honestly don't know. It's like two weeks ago, I was like, you know, Get get rid of all the veterans and focus on the youth. I kind of still feel that way a little bit because we're seeing it's the youth that's really carrying this team uh, along with Carey Price, uh, uh, of course. But it's just I don't know. Well, what do you do with this with this with this core moving? I think you still need a kind of a younger defenseman. You hope Romanov develops in, in, a, in a in a in a top two defenseman, which I think he will. But uh, yeah, yeah, you, you got to think UFA's are going to look at this team differently now. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, they're an exciting team. They're, they're I mean, you got to think they're, they're, they're a team with, especially with the young core that we have, the gamers that we have. I mean, why wouldn't a UFA want to play, you know, be centered by Kukinami Suzuki, yeah. play on yeah. a line with Caulfield? You know, I mean, it's definitely like, an exciting time. Caulfield on the ice, he just looks like fun to be around. Oh, for sure. Like the energy he brings, like when, when Bergevin was celebrating like a maniac after the game, and you got to love that about him. Like, I'd much rather have a GM that wears his heart on his sleeve like that. Like, no one can ever say that this GM does not care about winning, this team winning, you know? Like, regardless of how you feel about his moves, his strategy as a GM and all that, this is a GM that wants the Montreal Canadiens to win more than anything else. And that celebration was hilarious. But he, he, he's, like, going nuts, fist-bumping players. Some of the players, like Perry's, like, ah, oh, whatever, I've been here before. And Caulfield... The tackles him basically. He's so excited. He like jumps in his arm. He was jumping in everyone's arms. He jumps in Tavoli's arms on the ice. I mean, that energy is infectious. You know, like this just like it's just amazing. It's it, this team is so fun to watch, so fun to cheer for. There's so many guys you want to root for on this team. It's just this is the most fun playoff run. I like I I, I like think think I think since the Halak run. I'm enjoying this one yeah. the most. 
Yeah, that, that how the Halak run was uh, that was pretty magical too for sure. Yeah. But uh, no, man, it's gonna it's it's gonna be exciting. Anyway, we I mean we might have a have another week before we actually see some more Canadians I hockey. Know. I know. But uh, man, looking forward to it. Uh, was there any uh, was there another poll that uh, you wanted to touch on? I think. Uh yeah. So so one other poll, uh, sort of tongue in cheek poll that we did here. Um, so basically, what are we after the Habs win yesterday? What are we most thankful for today? Is it the Canucks for letting Toffoli go? Is it 14 GMs who passed on Cole Caulfield, or is it Simmons turning down the Habs? Uh, and well, it was pretty close, but 48.5% uh, goes to the 14 GMs who passed on on Caulfield, 42.5 to uh, to the Canucks, and only 9% really for Simmons. That's a little surprising. I mean, well, that, the, the that, thing with the Simmons thing is on its own, like there's no context. I think is what the issue is here. On its own, the Simmons thing doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But because Simmons didn't sign, the Canadians made much better acquisitions, right? They got Perry, they got they got uh, Toffoli. Because I, I don't think they get Toffoli. I don't think I don't know yeah. if the money works if right. Simmons signs, right? So uh, I, I think that that's why I, I would expect the way you phrased it, the Simmons one, not to, to get too many votes. But let's not underrate that. But I would agree though, the Caulfield one is the biggest one. All three of them are huge. Oh well, for yeah, sure. But yeah. Cole Caulfield yeah. is going to be a star for this team for years to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, just having Caulfield, Kakiniemi, Suzuki, Romanov, Caden Primo, and, you know, and probably soon in the next in the next few years, having these guys for the next, man, who knows, 12, 13, 14 years. It's it's a good time to be a Habs fan for sure. The, the, the thing now that we got to hope for, the thing that can really bring this team over the top, like assuming Romanov does develop at the very least as a top four, is if one of those defensemen, that were a bit of a reach, really develop into kind of a steal, whether it's Harris or uh, Brooks or uh, Norlander. Like, if, if one of those guys, only one, only one, like, ideally more than one, but if just one develops into, like, a top-four puck-moving defenseman, then this, like, this, this team will be, like, you know, fantastic for years to come, you know? Yeah, I um, mean it's 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 a good time. <laughs> well, I mean the future, the present, and the future definitely bright for the Canadians. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I guess uh, I guess that covers it. I mean, there's much more to talk about for now. The we don't uh, we don't know who the Canadians are going to play. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, so we'll guess, definitely. Uh, yeah, maybe the next maybe we can do our next episode right before the uh, the next series. You know, once we know who they're actually playing. We'll see how we go. Let's not make any promises. We could always we could always <laughs> do uh, the first the first day after the first because I'm I'm guessing the first game will probably end up being like maybe Monday, depending how quickly the the game the, the series goes. Because like today, there's a game today. Like there's a game today. Okay, let's see. They're playing. Uh, let's say the the same team, whichever who wins both games. Uh, how do I get to the next games here? Like I'm assuming they're playing on Friday. Yeah, they're, well, they're next they're, team. Yeah, they're playing they're, Thursday. Okay. Okay, so if if the game goes only the series goes only six, the first game might might end up being Saturday. But if it's not, if it goes seven, then the first game probably be Monday. So depending on how that goes, well, there'll, there'll probably be a, a couple games of, of of the next series and by the next podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we'll see. I mean, keep uh, keep tuned to uh, to our Twitter feed to to see when we'll be doing the next episode. And uh, yeah, and keep an eye on that and that series. I mean, I I I never really honestly watch the other series that much when the Habs are in it because like I'm too focused on the Habs. I can't just like 
like when the Habs aren't playing, I just need to tune out from hockey because I get so stressed about the Habs playing. You know what I mean? Uh, like once the Habs are out, sometimes I watch the other games a little bit. But now I, I'm definitely interested in catching these last two or three Golden Knights Avalanche games just to see what exactly we have in store for us in the, in, in, in the next round. So I'm, I'm excited for that. But uh, we'll, we'll be back next week to talk about the first couple games or the first game of, of the next series. And house fans just enjoy this this is this is one of those runs that we get every few years and it's it's, it's this is really when it's fun to be a house fan so as always uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time